0: Welcome to Discover Library and Archives Canada, your history, your documentary heritage. I'm your host, Angèle Hélène. Join us as we showcase treasures from our digital collections, guide you through our many services, and introduce you to the people who acquire, safeguard, and make known Canada's documentary heritage. Few things define what it is to be Canadian more than our love of hockey. Canada's Royal Winter Game. And while the public eye is often focused on the NHL, there remains a strong commitment to the roots of hockey, as backyard rinks and pickup games continue to thrive across the country. In this episode, we sit down with author and hockey expert Paul Kitchen to discuss the origins of hockey, the evolution of the game, and what our love of hockey says about the Canadian character. Paul speaks to us about the wealth of hockey-related resources held by Library and Archives Canada and how indispensable they have been to his writing and to his work with the Society for International Hockey Research. Hi, Paul. Thanks for joining us today.
1: My pleasure to be here.
0: Can you tell us how you became interested in hockey?
1: I I don't really know how I became interested. It just seemed to be a very natural thing. Uh, Growing up in in Ottawa, we have cold winters. Uh, To me, uh, winter is an adventure. And I always liked to be outside when I was a kid. And if you're outside, there's ice and snow. So you put the two together and you, you get out on your blades. There was a, a school about a block from where I grew up and uh, I used to go to that rink and eventually played on the, on the, uh, on the school team. But uh, then uh, the winters were much um, uh, harsher than they are now mm-hmm. and um, the river was covered over with ice early on so you could get out there and go all day long and that's what I, that's what I did so I guess that's how come I like hockey.
0: And then you became interested in, in the history of, of hockey and the origins and stuff yeah, like that?
1: Yeah, I was always interested in um, in the players and the arenas and the teams. You'd listen to the games on the radio and you'd visualize what the players looked like. There was no television then, mm-hmm. only occasionally would you see a picture in the paper of a, of a player. So I would take an interest in all of that. But uh, my interest really... Uh, Blossomed in terms of um, serious historical research when the uh, when the Ottawa Senators returned in 1992, there had been pieces in the uh, paper about where the old rinks were, and uh, some of those um, articles were were mistaken. So uh, I looked into it, and my first piece of published work was um, an identification of the rinks where the old Ottawa Silver Seven played. So. That's how I got going.
0: So I I understand uh, that you've written a lot about hockey, and especially recently you've written a book, and a lot of the research was done at Library and Archives Mm -hmm. Canada. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about the records you consulted? Mm -hmm. What did you look Mm -hmm. at? Mm -hmm. What do we have?
1: Yeah. Well, um, I've done um, quite a bit of um, uh, work for periodicals and for the uh, official encyclopedia of the National Mm -hmm. Hockey League and uh, I've written a book on the history of the Ottawa Senators. The, um, the book that I wrote um, was published by Penumbra Press under its um, Canadian Archives of, um, of Culture and, um, and Heritage, um, which pleased me because my interest in the book was not just the facts and figures about who scored the goals and what teams won, but how you place the game itself in an historical context gives something of the texture of the Mm -hmm. time. So that's what I wanted to do. And as far as the Library and Archives Canada is concerned, um, I would say that about 90% of the material that I gathered uh, was from right here in this this institution. Really?
0: 90%? Yeah.
1: Uh, Don't forget, um, newspapers um, are a a primary source of information Mm -hmm. for hockey because they're they're accounts, eyewitness accounts at the time by the observers of the games that are played. Mm -hmm. So you can take that as primary information. Uh, But then there's all kinds of um, other archival documents, uh, government records, one source that was very uh, useful to me uh, was the, um, the P.D. Ross collection. Uh, Philip Danskin Ross was a, a very prominent publisher of the Ottawa Journal in the um, 1890s and right through to the midway mark of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was also the um, original trustee of the Stanley Cup, and he had played for the Ottawa Hockey Club before that. Here we find all of his material at the archives, something like six or seven boxes with a diary, very meticulously kept diary, year after year. and. Uh, In there you have um, very valuable documents pertaining to the uh, origin of the Stanley Cup Mm -hmm. and uh, all of the other activities that he engaged in that related to hockey so that's that's another really
0: good picture of what it was like back then
1: yeah do you know there was a there was another one too Um, Thomas D Green was um, a Six Nations um, uh, uh, aboriginal from, uh, from Brantford, Ontario, who in the early 1880s um, enrolled at uh, McGill College, which is now McGill University, mm-hmm. and he graduated as a, um, as a Bachelor of Applied Science, which today would be engineering. Uh, he was only one of seven graduates that year. He sought um, work in Ottawa, but he was rebuffed because of racial discrimination that existed at that time. But if you go to the government uh, employment records uh, and you look up uh, Thomas D. Green, you'll find a very rich file there. Well, the reason that I mention that is because Thomas D. Green was a member of the original Ottawa Hockey Club, which was formed in 1883 and uh, played his first game in in, uh, Montreal at the Winter Carnival in 1884. Uh, So he was discriminated against uh, in view of his profession but he wasn't in terms of being a hockey player. He was made the captain of the team and when two years later the, the world's first hockey league was formed he was the representative to that meeting in Montreal and he was elected as the first president of the world's first hockey league. So here we have this kind of information coming from government records mm-hmm. right here at Library and Archives Canada.
0: Library and Archives Canada has a, a hockey website entitled Backcheck a hockey retrospective and I know that you were the curator for this website. Can you tell us what Canadians can learn on that yeah. website about hockey?
1: Well first of all it was, um, it was a wonderful opportunity because mm-hmm. um, um, what the institution did was to to recognize hockey as a as a legitimate uh, subject matter for historical research and how hockey can be related to the conditions of the times and how people were able to use their um, spare time because the work days are very long, that sort of thing so it, it, it gave us an opportunity to, to blend hockey history into overall social history and um, we used um, uh, newspaper accounts, uh, the photographic collection here at uh, the archives, um, manuscript collections, and I think that um, anybody going through that site would get a pretty good appreciation for what the game meant to uh, people through the years. But there's one terrific little um, a story in connection with that, if I could just mention sure, it. Sure, yeah. Um, the, um, the famous uh, Canada-Russia Summit hockey series was um, held in Canada and the Soviet Union in 1972. Now, when we were doing the, um, the uh, site, uh, gosh, it must have been about 10 years ago now, mm-hmm. uh, I went through the Hockey Canada uh, archival files here, and found quite a bit of information about how the Canadian hockey team was formed. And there was a big uh, controversy at the time because Bobby Hull, a famous hockey Mm -hmm. player, wasn't allowed to play. Going through the material, here we find um, a simple letter written in 1972 by an eight-year-old boy uh, by the name of Alan Johnston, and he signed his name at mm-hmm. the bottom, it's, it's come into Hockey Canada, saying that uh, he wanted to recommend that Bobby Hull be allowed to play for the Canadian team against the Russians. Mm. Thank you very much. And signed, Alan Johnston, Powell River, British Columbia, 1972. We wanted to put that on the website. Mm-hmm. It was a terrific little letter. So the, um, the archival geniuses here were able to track down his mother out in British Columbia, who then put us in touch with the fellow, who is now, what, 48 years old, and he agreed to let his letter be put on the website. So there it is, and now he'd be 58 years old and he's immortalized. That's so that's awesome. a sort of small anecdotal little thing mm-hmm. that I think gives a bit of um, verve to, to the site.
0: Can you tell us a bit about the origins of hockey?
1: Well, um, the origins of hockey... Um,
0: Why did people start playing hockey? Yeah.
1: Well, they either started time immemorial, or they started in March of 1875, depending on uh, how you want to view uh, hockey. Forms of the game have been played. Um, in all northern countries, for hundreds and hundreds of years, not not regular hockey with rules and uh, and all of that sort of thing, mm-hmm. but just boys, men, women getting out on a surface of ice with uh, blades and a stick to implement to direct around a a a, a, a ball or a block of wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Um, From that point of view, there's no way of of saying where the game started. But if you want to think of hockey as a structured sport with rules and teams, uh, then uh, the evidence shows March 3rd, 1875, at the Victoria Skating Rink in Montreal. That's when two teams played what is thought to be the first game. The teams were identified, there was a a recorded score, and there were... um, elementary rules that were followed and from that game emerged um, follow-up games and codified rules so you can say that that game really did start the formal the formal game as coming down to as we know it today
0: Do do we know what that game would have looked like if we had been there to see it?
1: What it looked like? Well yeah there were nine players on one team and eight players on the other team Uh, They played in an indoor arena, the Victoria Skating Rink, with natural ice. It was cold. There were no uh, boards. There was no fence around the rink. There was just a a raised platform. Uh, There were no goal nets as we know them today. Uh, Just two posts Mm -hmm. stuck in the ice. And uh, the, uh, the puck was a flat piece of wood. People had been batting around a ball before that, but it would fly up into the uh, right. audience and hit people. So somebody figured well, if we have a flat piece of wood, it won't go up. So mm-hmm. that's, that's what it looked like. The players had no um, uniforms, uh, no padding or anything like that, and their skates were pretty rudimentary. I mean, you didn't have um, uh, a, a skate uh, permanently attached to a boot. Uh, the skate was separate and it would be strapped or somehow affixed to whatever winter boot that you happen Mm -hmm. to have. So that's basically what that first game looked like.
0: What's the difference between a shinny and hockey?
1: Yeah, Well, shinny would be um, the real fun part of of (laughs) hockey, and this is what really takes you back. It's just um, unorganized fun. Uh, come one, come all. The game might start at eight o'clock in the morning on a, on, on a river or in a, a little rink somewhere. And um, players would come and just join one side or the other. And the idea was the same. You've got skates on, a stick and a puck. You try to put the puck in the other team's goal. So it's just unorganized, maybe even disorganized fun
0: it's so our the, it's our typical canadian backyard hockey
1: typical canadian backyard hockey yeah but then you get to the more formal version where you've got um, as i said before teams and rules and uh, so the game is quite a bit different now from what it was uh, many years ago
0: so how has it evolved over the years
1: well it's it's evolved in uh, in many ways uh, the rules became codified and expanded as uh, the techniques of the players uh, improved, Uh, the skates improved. Um, uh, John Forbus was a machinist in, in Halifax and he invented what he called the Acme Spring Skate and patented that in 1866 with the Nova Scotia Patent Office and that was a a, a skate that attached to your boot and there was a locking lever so in the early days that was the kind of skate that people used. Now of course today look what we have I mean high-tech mm-hmm. high-tech skates so from the point of view of equipment there's been tremendous advances. The ice surfaces are are better uh, now than they ever were. Artificial ice is uh, usually harder than, than natural ice and with the uh, Uh, zambonis uh, the surface can be kept really really good so uh, the equipment has um, developed in the old days the players wore um, fairly heavy um, woolen jerseys Mm -hmm. and uh, as the game progressed particularly indoors uh, the players would perspire
0: yeah I was going to say they they must have sweat and (laughs) the
1: sweaters would get heavy and wet Uh Um, Buck Boucher, who played for the Ottawa Senators, was playing one game down in uh, at Madison Square Garden, and he complained after the game to the owner of the Madison Square Garden, the, the greatest arena in the world, mm-hmm. uh, that it was too hot in here. <laughs> the owner had kept the temperature at about 60 degrees because um, he had high-class um, fans. They, I uh, was going to say th- guess, This was yeah. quite an elite sport right. at the time, and they wanted the rink to be warm, so Buck Boucher complained after the game to the owner. He said, I weighed my equipment before we started the game, and I weighed it again after the game, and it was three pounds heavier.
0: I'm surprised he just didn't take off the jersey right there. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Can you um, tell us about the the original National Hockey League?
1: Yes, the the National Hockey League uh, was formed at the Windsor Hotel in Montreal on November the 26th, 1917. It was the successor league to the old National Hockey Association, which was also a professional league. But there had been trouble among the owners so much so that the owners disbanded the the league and kicked out the, the, uh, the uh, owner that they had trouble with and promptly started this new league, the National Hockey League. And the first game, the the first two games played in the National Hockey League were in Montreal and Ottawa. Hmm. Uh, Today, uh, December the 19th, uh, 2012, marks the 95th anniversary of the first game of the National Hockey League. It was the Montreal Canadiens playing the Ottawa Senators at the Old Days Rink in downtown The other game uh, played that night was in Montreal between another Montreal team and the Toronto Arenas. But the Ottawa game um, uh, had a bit of a controversy about it because several of the Ottawa players um, refused to come out on the ice to start the game. Here was going to be the first game of the new league, they didn't come out on the ice. Why? It was because uh, they had signed contracts for a 22-game schedule Whereas the actual schedule called for 24, and they, they wanted that added into their contract mm-hmm. before they would come out on the ice. Eventually, they showed up um, halfway through the game. But um, the uh, Montreal team won 7-4, to four, so it wasn't a good start for mm. Ottawa.
0: Well... What's that was
1: that was the start of the National Hockey League. There were uh, four teams, but then over the years as we know it expanded mm-hmm. and eventually in the, into the United States in 1924-25 and now we're up to the 30 teams.
0: Yeah, so what is the the difference between the original National Hockey League and the one we know today?
1: I think that there's no there's no comparison really. Um, the players back then were, there's no doubt about it, they were marvelous athletes. They were very, very skilled. But uh, in terms of today's game, they were handicapped by the equipment again. Yeah. Uh, the skates tended to be um, have a long blade, uh, they got heavy, um, and that meant that the maneuverability of the players wasn't nearly as flexible as as with today's players, you have a rockered blade, you have a light skate. Uh, most players in the National Hockey League today will go through maybe five or six pairs in a in a season, mm-hmm. whereas back then, a uh, player would have the same skates for two, three, four years, maybe. So there was the um, there's the big difference between the uh, the equipment then and the equipment now.
0: The advancements in technology I, I, made that different.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another thing is. Um, professional hockey it has become such a huge business that uh, the players demand huge salaries that means that they there are more demands made of them in terms of their their contract and preparedness for the games in the old days um, training camp would be where the players got in shape Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Uh, today training camp uh, is assumed that you're already in you're shape showing and now up you're competing shape. for your job with right. the, all the other guys who are also in incredible shape.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you have training regimens that were just unknown back then. That would be another big uh, difference mm-hmm. between the old today and the old days.
0: Mm-hmm. and Archives Canada holds a very rare hockey book entitled Canada's Royal Winter Game that has been digitized and made available online. What's the story there? Mm-hmm.
1: Arthur Farrell uh, played hockey for the uh, Montreal Shamrocks. They won the Stanley Cup in, I think it was 1899. Uh, He was a tremendous enthusiast of the game, and at age 22, he wrote a book, this book, Hockey Canada's Royal Winter Game. Mm. It's a marvelous uh, book. It details all of the positions, how they should be played, talks about the leagues, the rules, all of that sort of thing. It was published in 1899. Arthur Farrell died from tuberculosis in um, ten years later at the age of 32. Uh, the book didn't have a wide circulation and uh, there are practically no extant copies uh, anywhere in Canada. Someone in Montreal uh, had a copy Turned it over to a newspaper reporter. The newspaper reporter got in touch with the Prime Minister seeking a home for this book. Mm -hmm. Um, The organization that I belong to, Society for International Hockey Research, um, took an interest in this and we recommended to the archives that they get hold of this Mm -hmm. book and maybe that would be, here would be a good place for it to be, to be um, stored. Uh, So the, um, the archives did get in touch with the owner of the book. Uh, well with the Prime Minister because the book had been loaned to him by the by the owner mm-hmm. and uh, The archives then um, restored the thing because it was in pretty bad shape and made a couple of facsimile copies and also digitized it mm-hmm. So the digitized version is out there for everybody to see yeah. um, The uh, the facsimile copies they were nicely boxed beautifully done one was presented to um, The Prime Minister and the other I think was kept here. Uh, The original went back to Montreal and is now in the Irish Studies collection of um, the Concordia University Library. So when the Prime Minister got his um, facsimile edition, he being a member of our Society for International Hockey Research, turned it over to our organization, and now we have that in our archives. So everybody was a winner in that regard.
0: I understand that you've been involved with the Society of International Hockey Research for many years. What kind of work does that society do?
1: Yeah. Well, the Society for International Hockey Research was started in Kingston about 20 years ago. Uh, The members are um, hockey historians, uh, researchers, uh, some uh, journalists, uh, and others who just happen to take an interest in the game. We have about um, 500 members now. Um, the majority are in Canada but there are a large number in the United States and in several other countries, uh, Sweden, Finland, Germany, France, Great Britain. We have a member in Australia, a couple in um, in uh, Japan and the um, the society tries to do original a hockey research and I guess it, to the extent that the organization is known publicly. It would be through um, Our investigations into the origins of the game And I mean if you want to create trouble all you have to do is say that your town was where the game started right. because everybody has a claim
0: because I was gonna say what do you mean Montreal <laughs> when you said it started in Montreal I'm like no
1: Yeah, well exactly and uh, you've got uh, Windsor Nova Scotia in the running uh, you've, um, you've got Delany Northwest Territories in the running. Wow. Halifax used to be in the running, but it's conceded defeat. <laughs> uh, so every once in a while, a new claim pops up. right? And those claims seem normally to be based on, um, on um, Chamber of Commerce type history. They, they want to be able to put up a sign in their town. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we look into the claims and um and come to our decision as to whether the the claim is well founded. <laughs> so far, none of them have been well founded. But that's basically what we do. I guess we're best known for the uh, origins of hockey, but we also talk about um, equipment. For example, the oldest the world's oldest hockey stick. somebody came up with the o- world's oldest hockey stick and had it carbon dated and that piece of wood was 600 years old, therefore now you've got the world's oldest hockey stick. It may not have even been a hockey stick, it just looked like one. Mm-hmm. So these these claims come up and we, we look at them and I guess uh, we're not very popular when we come back with uh, m- most of our recommendations.
0: But you know, hockey's been adopted as the unofficial game of choice in Canada, so what does it say about our character?
1: Yeah. Well, I guess, um, Angel, it says that um, that were a, a hardy people who like robust activity. Mm-hmm. I mean, surely we would be that way in in a, in a northern uh, climate. I mean, uh, you have to be tough to live in Canada in the winter,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the winters um, tend to be uh, not, maybe, maybe not as long now as they were, but they do they do go on, and uh, you've you've got to. You've got to deal with it, and you want to have fun, so
0: make the most of it, yeah yep.
1: what make the most of it, right
0: yeah It seems like Canadians can't get enough of hockey in the winter, especially now that they're they're milder, so they they tend to play hockey in the streets the rest of the year. Um, what do you think about that yeah? Is that part of of hockey is it different is it
1: yeah well i yes it is it's a it's a year-round um, sport in, in two regards one as you mentioned with um, um, road hockey in the summer but also with the number of artificial ice rinks that we have uh, hockey is played by kids even in the summertime mm-hmm. wayne gretzky thinks that kids play too much hockey <laughs> that they should be playing other sports in the summer to, Help develop their athletic abilities and agility and coordination, and use what they've learned there on the hockey rink when they go back in, in the fall. But there's, um, I think that there's a proprietary uh, interest um, in in hockey. Canadians seem to believe that 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 they own the game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I guess in a sense we pretty much invented it and and developed it. But but hockey is our is our gift to the world. And when you give something away, you don't own it anymore. And so I, I like to think of, um, of, of, of Canadian hockey as, as a gift, but I, I don't like to think of it as being a, a proprietary thing. I don't like it when, when, when we um, object to other countries having good players and claiming a strong interest in the game, mm-hmm. we've, we've given it to them.
0: So what do you think it is about hockey that Canadians love so much?
1: Well, um, first of all, um, we take great pride in being the country that uh, that developed the game. Uh, secondly, um, it's a very robust sport. It, it, it's, it's a tough sport and mm-hmm. perhaps a lot of Canadians like to think of themselves as as tough there's the actual speed of the game it's an exciting game to watch i, I can't think of a game that can come anywhere near hockey in terms of uh, visual appeal so it's a great sport and there's the skill and the grace the, just the skating itself
0: right it's, it know. seems so easy when you look yeah. at them skate. when i go
1: to a hockey game I, I make sure that i get there um well before the start of the game because uh, to me, when the players first skated on the ice uh, for a pre-game warm-up, just the grace of their skating and the smooth flow, uh, turning to the left, turning <laughs> to the right, making bursts—I mean, that sort of thing—it um, it, just—it just sends a, a thrill up my spine. So, surely anybody who's watching the game would would see that the the, the grace, almost the the aspect of ballet Mm -hmm. in it. And when you combine the grace with the aggressiveness, the two seem to be opposites, but they they blend together. And uh, you end up with just a spectacular sport.
0: And there's no way of not getting excited when you look at a hockey game, it goes so fast and you just get into it so much.
1: Yeah, the other thing is, um, if they would only turn the music off before the game starts, (laughs) um, you'd be able to hear um, the skates, the sound the skates make on the ice, just a crisp sound yeah. and just, oh, it's like music.
0: I think we all know what that sound is. <laughs> we can hear it in our head. Well, thank you very much, Paul, for coming and speaking to us about hockey today. Well, thank,
1: thank you, it's my pleasure.
0: To learn more about the history of hockey in Canada, please visit our website, BackCheck, a hockey retrospective, at collectionscanada.gc.ca slash hockey. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Angèle Alain, and you've been listening to Discover Library and Archives Canada, where Canadian history, literature, and culture await you. A special thanks to our guest today, Paul Kitchen. For more information about our podcast, or if you have questions, comments, or suggestions, please visit us at bac-lac.gc.ca slash podcasts.